Hey, new intro this year. New intro this year. We're with the main man, Mike Halligan, uh, co-founder of Scratch. And about time, mate, we've been seeing your shit everywhere. And I've got to say, it's blowing us away. So nice to meet you. Nice to have you on the pod, bro. Yeah, nice to be here. And uh, sorry about following you around the internet. I know you guys got dogs, so um, <laughs> our ads are probably stalking around Facebook and YouTube. How was your break? What did you do? Oh, my holiday was great. Thanks for asking. Um, it was it was all the things a holiday should be: bit of bit of rest, bit of fun, a uh, bit of family. So I feel like an elder. I took last year was hectic, so I don't. Know, everyone's year seemed hectic, but I took the extra extra bit of a break, and I came back feeling feeling good. So I'm second day back and speaking with you guys in a pretty good place right now. So um, highlight was I went to New Year's in the Hill Festival in kind of um, Gippsland here, and that was a real good real good time. That's one of my favorite festivals of all time, I reckon. I had That's one great, of the best it? times ever about five years ago or whatever. And just the one stage, I know there's the karaoke or whatever the fuck, but like the one stage, the BYO stuff, the atmosphere, it's just different than a lot of other festivals that you go to, isn't it? It's not, there's no wank really. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's just sort of like easy going and people just sort of like think, oh, these guys aren't being, it's, they're sort of taking it seriously, but in a relaxed way. And so I should do the same. And there's like no dickheads there. It was really nice. How, how do you go about being a founder and taking time off? I can imagine, like, let's get into last year. You said it was hectic, but what, what made it so hectic? I kind of have to take time off, otherwise I'll probably implode. So I think it's what, something I got good at because just life gets too hard. If I don't, I just get too off kilter and I'm not fun to be around and I'm not fun. Uh, I just don't enjoy life that much. So, uh, you know, because doing, doing what, I mean, living's hard, but living's hard these days, if, particularly if you're not living near the beach like you guys. So um, I, in particular, like running a business too, like we got 11 staff now and we make, you know, we make dog food and like lots of fresh natural Aussie ingredients and that stuff with floods, with fires, with lack of tr- trucks and freights and Australia Post charging a million bucks and all, all sorts, like so much has potentially catastrophically gone wrong in the last year, but we've just worked like worked crazy to just keep it all together for our customers and not let them down. But at the end of the end of the year, you're kind of like you're paying the price for that. You're just knackered. So all the like, there's so many anyone who's making actual physical products these days, like everyone will have their stories about how hard the last year or two has been in just getting things done on time or reliably or whatever it might be. And not to mention, you know, just life being a little bit more exhausting than I swear it used to be. Like it's it's early now in twenty. Does that make you looking back and reflecting? I know you've had you just mentioned having some time off and chilling out and like recharging. Does that make you think differently about what you tackle this year with everything that's happened over the last few years? Yeah, it's kind of like a te- good question. It's like a temptation to, on one hand, to just like cut your to do list in half and say, "Oh, that was so exhausting. I want to do a lot less." And the other, on the other hand, it's like I haven't done anything fun at work in a, in a while or like a lot less fun stuff. So let's do real. Let's just like you know get back to you know day one full of energy do something new give it a crack kind of thing and um, i'm depending on the day toss up between all right take it easy or you know you know get the excitement and exhilaration of that first idea you know giving a crack kind of thing so uh, i don't know where which one of the two the year is gonna (laughs) end up with yet but i'm thinking i'm leaning towards the second one getting a bit of like that early startup energy back when did scratch start when did it all kick off like you were working a full-time job and then just jumped across and started it how did that transition go yeah well, probably about uh five years ago now i was working um working at a watch brand e-commerce brand probably responsible for a lot of those images of people holding their wrists out into the ocean 
on Instagram that was floating around for a while. So sorry for that. Um, and I was I'd been there for for maybe a year. I'd been working in fashion e-commerce marketing before that. Um, a bunch of fashion brands up in Sydney and had a really good time. Met some staff. Worked with some good people. Um, and uh, that was like that was like a five year period of getting my energy back because I'd always started businesses before that and uh, failed it enough. Failed a few times that it just like knocked me around and kind of I was like, all right, got to pay pay some bills back and uh, get some energy back. What were some of the other um, businesses that you were having a crack at? Uh, I did I did a bit of like marketing consultancy back when and then back when um when remember when like blogs and people making full time livings up blogs were becoming a thing um which ended up being like a lot of like fashion bloggers and that kind of thing I started this thing called the blog designer I was kind of like this go to designer for for um people wanting to make a living out of blogging and through that I ended up working with some brand like doing blogs for brands who were like hey can you make an online store and I'm like sure and I had no idea but worked it out and eventually that's so that led me into the e-commerce world at the same time I was doing that I was I, my big thing that I started back then was a, a app called Bodywise and this is like back just before Apple Watches and when Fitbits and stuff were taking off it was basically an app where you could just um, log all your uh, like health details and it, the vision was that you'd tell it you know tell it all your stuff or your watch or whatever tell it all your health details and where you've been and whatnot and then the app would kind of work out hey um, it's like it's 8 p.m. You're still at the office. Um, I can see you've done this many steps today. When you, whenever you're like this in the past, you eat like crap at night. All right, so um, all right, <laughs> don't you know? Here's a here's an easy meal, or here's motivation to get to the gym or something. So it was basically like that whole quantified self: look after yourself and have technology kind of like um, step in and work out when you're going to go off the rails a little bit. I like that, um, that because last night my last night we recorded this, I've had like four nights in a row of broken sleep with the little one. And I always say whenever I'm tired, I eat like shit. And I've been really good on my diet lately. But today before recording this, me and Locke went and had chips on the beach. And I had a big bucket of chips. And I just it was just because I was craving it because I was tired as fuck. You but know? if you got that, if you got that alert, say, hey, you fat pig, don't but, eat that. Don't eat the <laughs> chips today. I probably yeah. would have eaten the chips. I would have got for sushi. But it's interesting the technology and stuff, isn't it? How it adapts over time. I, re- I recently uh, saw an article on TechCrunch where it was talking about like uh, babies crying, yeah, and you can't understand what the cry is, but this can sort of navigate and sort of tell you what. Well, you can tell him what. It's yeah, 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 like yeah. a translator between you and the baby. Yeah, a little bit like that. It's going to be something oh, like cool. that. I, look, I, I didn't really read it too much. You, you know what I mean? So I saw the headline. <laughs> I was like, this sounds. Cool. But yeah, technology is crazy. Were you coding? Was that was like you working with a team on that project, or what was what was that? Uh, I was more product design, like vision on that project. I was. Um, I came back from doing, when I was a lot younger, did a ski season, put on way too much weight, came back and wanted to get back into sport. And so that was like my, um, I was all about kind of like what my waist measurements were like and how fast I was running and you know, all, all, all the all the stuff back then uh, to get myself back into shape. So that kind of let, let me add down that idea and gave it a crack for a good three or four years. And whilst I was doing the e-commerce jobs, like I was, that was paying for me to continue to make this a thing, but um, yeah, we had a we had my develop the developer was part of our team uh, quick because he had a kid on the way, and so he's like, "Hey, I got to get, I've got to just look after my family and take a good paying job and all that kind of stuff." And we sort of stumbled around, just not able to pick up the pieces from there. So it was a, it kind of died a slow death, and I kind of licked my wounds for a few years doing jobs, but working with great people and um, kind of relaxing a little bit. After, you know, running your own thing like you guys do is can be exhausting. So I had, had a few jobs, and then eventually had the idea to start a dog food brand that was online um, based for people who are 
you know, starting to research a lot more about what to feed their dogs. Uh, so it kind of started from um, I had a sick dog myself and was jumping online and think, thinking like I can barely tell what's actually in the foods. Half the like the labeling's super unclear. The websites look like they're made in 1990. Like I can't, you know, I don't feel good about giving my money to um, any of these brands when I like I can't afford for my dog to you know get any sicker. You know, I'm trying to get them better and I can't work out if I can through through what they're telling me. So I had an idea to start a brand that was online, transparency based. Um, made better quality of food and um, and was just easier to deal with and just nicer to interact with on a brand level too. How do you test dog food? <laughs> um, you have very hungry dogs around you that are willing to <laughs> willing to do anything. But look, I, at the end of the day, I found a business. I got super lucky. I found a business partner who'd been working in the industry for seven or eight years and sort of knew all the things like from. Um, recipe formulation to what chemicals go into producing things in certain ways and how what supplies to use or not use and uh and also how to make food that was delicious so he had a beagle called snoop or has a beagle called snoop who's just at the other side of this window and uh and he got lots of food to, <laughs> to help bring scratch life so he, he loved it that's great. So with the vision for Scratch then, is it developing different types of food now as you scale or what's sort of the, the plan there? Yeah, we're a little different in that we don't really want to be the biggest because it is like dog food is an industry where Mars and Nestle own like over 80% of the Australian dog food industry. It's like a, it's um, I was listening to your interview with um, the guy from Bobby the other day where he was sort of talking about our, you know Coca-Cola and Pepsi and it's a big conglomerate kind of industry. Dog food's like that too. And so you... Um, it's kind of like rare for a brand to sit in this kind of sustainable, just a good business, makes enough of a profit to look after its people and to to be good for its customers. And we sort of want to be at that level. Um, and luckily now we're like four years in and we've got over 20,000 dogs that eat scratch and we've, you know, got a stable business and we're probably at a, the point kind of we want to be. So we don't want to be an industry giant because it sounds pretty awful, um, to be to be honest. So we, we kind of build the business much um, yeah, much differently. We're pretty sustainably based. So we're Australia's only B Corp dog food as well, which we something we're really proud of. And we've donated 2% of our revenue um, since since early days to climate change and dog welfare as well. Um, and yeah, basically just do a lot of transparency work to show what's, how dog food is made and what dog food can look like. And for us, that means we're the only brand in Australia that has the you know the you, sometimes you'll go to the supermarket you'll be wanting to try to like you know look after the guts a little bit and you'll look at the label and say all right well how, what's on, what's in this and like what percentage is this of whatever it might be we're literally the only dog food that'll say okay well this is thirty two percent kangaroo and this is twenty six percent whatever like the percentages don't exist so whether there's something makes up you know you could be after like a you know a lamb recipe for your dog you got no idea if that five percent meat thirty percent meat or something in between. So we're the only brand in Australia kind of like leads from the front with saying exactly what's in the food and not changing that. So that's kind of like our lasting legacy, hopefully, of encouraging brands to kind of say what's really in the food because it's one of those like lots of vague marketing claims kind of industries. How'd you launch? I'm sure you would have had some pretty sick ideas or big ways that you could have got this out there, but keen to rewind it back and talk like the early days, 20,000 people now or 20,000 dogs eating, eating the food. I'm sure it wasn't like that day one. Can you go back and walk us through it? Well, day one, yeah, day one was a photo shoot. So we um, we did it, we jumped on Facebook when we had like no uh, no one knowing who the hell we were or what we were doing. And we basically put out a 
casting call and said, hey, we're launching a new dog food brand. We're giving away a free professional photo shoot. Um, leave a photo of your dog in the comments. And then we had, we had like 800 photos of dogs left in the comments and we had to, went through and then tried to find uh, basically 50 dogs who lived around Melbourne where we were based and invited them down for a photo shoot. And we like did a DIY, DIY dog park. We had this like um, warehouse we rented in Collingwood for the, for the weekend. Uh, we had a photo set up. We had like a, like a slow-mo video camera. We'd be throwing dogs treats in the air and then the, the slow-mo video camera would be capturing their like mouths flapping around with drool and, and all sorts. And um, we sent them all the photos at the end. And then we used that for like, we just did a bunch of straight posters with the, all, the, all the photos we had of like 50 amazing dogs. And that was kind of like our day one. Um, and that was all re- really good and exciting. We got like, I think, 25 uh, signups on our website on the first day. And we're like, sweet, we're on here. This is a thing. And then like the day two was like two. And we're like, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, and then that, I think for the first probably six months, it was a slow burn. And then we're like, right, we're in, you know, we're an internet business. Um, I think back then we really sucked at Facebook ads and didn't even want to do them. But we're like, all right, we got to get in front of people. We got to meet dogs. We got to beat dog owners. So we ended up splashing, um, I think it was like 20K at the time on a stand at like the Dog Lovers Show. So Royal Exhibition Center full of like people who are obsessed with their dogs. Um, it's like the Melbourne show for dog owners. Got a big, got a like, it was like an ego trip kind of thing. Like got the big stand in the middle of the building, trying to announce ourselves as the new kids in the block and um, just gave away like thousands and thousands of samples. And then sort of just after that, things started to started to get moving. And soon enough, it was 10 person days, 10 people a day, 20 people a day, 30 people a day. And then um, eventually kind of got a few breaks, like um, just showed up enough times at like enough events and did ads that was like funny instead of talking about the ratios of omega-3s in your dog's food. We'd, you know, we'd have photos of like big, awesome looking dogs with really interesting faces. And like, I think our best one was like, um, you know, the Chanel number, Chanel number five. It was like, so we ran an ad with like, which is a famous perfume. And we ran an ad with this big, like French Bordeaux dog, with, like big drooly face. And it was like dog food that makes the number two smell like number five. And then like ads like that sort of like went nuts on Facebook. And we sort of like, had, you know, we made the best food possible, but it was really just like having fun talking about this boring thing in a really interesting way that kind of bit by bit got momentum. And then we got a few lucky breaks with PR, um, like Channel 9 News did a segment on how all these dogs are getting healthier for um, for switching to scratch. And then uh, oh, and then we got Mick Fanning as an investor and uh, and then Harold Sun had a real slow news day. Put that in the front cover of the pa- of the paper around the co- around uh, Victoria and then some of the other states. And um, yeah, we uh, the, the website blew up. <laughs> well, Mick fucking loves his dog. I see those videos all the time. He's got his dog off the off the leads, running around on the beach. Is, oh, is that good? The best but life ever. He lives the dream, doesn't he? I think it's the resilience thing, though. Like you mentioned, all the other shit that you've done in a previous life. How how much did you you lean on that experience throughout the stuff when you said, "Oh, first day is amazing, second day too." There's a period in between where it's like, well, fuck, like there's there's the planning and stuff about this big moment at the show. Like, do you immediately go into what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, how, how are we going to move forward and what what's the plan, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, I think when you like simultaneously think it's like you're so assured that it's going to work but terrified that it's not at the same time. Um, so that's kind of driving you this like this like um, you're not giving in. I think most people who start something don't give in easily because they're so like headstrong in their belief, um, their vision of why, why this thing needs to exist or why people, why people would like it. 
So you kind of got this real belief and it's like at the same time, this like you're proving yourself that you can do it and that, um, and that you're right and it's worth quitting your job or whatever it might be. Um, like scratch, one thing I skipped over with, with that, uh, that job in the watch industry, I vaguely had the idea for scratch. I knew that, um, I knew that I wanted to, I had the energy to start something again. I thought dog food could be done better. Um, and then, so I quit and gave like a three month head like lead time and said, Hey, I, I'm feeling like I'm ready to start my own thing. Um, here's three months notice. And then like the next, a few days later, I was like locked out of all the meetings and like <laughs> basically forced out after a week. So I'm like, shit, I got all this job, all this time in my hands. And that kind of like led me down the scratch part. So it was funny, like as much as you can, you know, like you, it's easy to look back at someone's, someone's profile and said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. They did that to that to that. Like it was just pure chance that I sort of got screwed over a little bit that I ended up just having nothing to do and uh, and needed something, like needed to sink my teeth into something and had it had like a vague idea and uh, scratch was it. Can you unpack like your thoughts on content and, and working in this space for so long and the whole econ world, but like, making brands feel different like there's so much stuff out there now like everyone says how oh, it's so easy there's so many limited barriers to start something but i see now like you scroll on your phone and you get thumped with ads of like new stuff trying to start you're like that's shit that's trash that's all right don't mind this like that but how do you cut through the noise and stuff and what, what have you learned in the past that's actually worked yeah it's a good question um it is easier than ever to start a a consumer brand like a, a drink, uh, a clothing label, uh, even a, a dog food, like e- everything that's been done is making someone money. Someone will find ways to be in the middle <laughs> to like help other people like replicate it. So, you know, like things get copied so easily. I think um, the things that succeed or that I find the most interesting are things that like have a second wind, a third wind, a fourth wind, like keep finding ways to like iterate on itself and to keep reimagining itself. Like, you know, no one wants the same. It's easier to have like one thing that's fresh for five minutes, but if it can't evolve into something else and keep people guessing, like I love the, I love brands that keep people guessing and that keep being unexpected. Like Minor Figures, I think is a really good example of that. Note Milk, that it's like their whole marketing strategy is do random shit that people won't expect. Uh, and it works like so brilliantly uh, because everyone, you know, if you if I if you don't know what to expect, like how someone's going to be able to copy it, <laughs> kind of thing, and it's always fresh and it's always interesting. I think that's such a interesting thing, and I think like Mambo, one of the brands I was really influenced by was like Mambo and Dare Jennings, and um, and what he did with Deus after that as well. But you know, he had, he had this mantra of basically just doing interesting shit and then attracting people who thought that was also interesting, and that they'd come to join and to make it even more interesting. And it was like, and he sort of talked about like yeah, he's got this awesome video online on YouTube of him giving a talk and it was like, if you just do interesting, unexpected stuff, it'll attract other interesting people like bees to honey. And then from there, you're like, you can't be stopped. I love that. I love that. More, more lean into you as well. You know what I mean? Whatever you're into, like, that's the thing. Once you start putting yourself out, we found that with the pod, like just even putting ourselves out there, you become like people consume it and they go, oh, I know how to talk to them next. To, like if we ever chat to them, it's like, oh, I know how they spell. I know the language. I know you're almost putting yourself out there. So sort of become that magnet you know what i mean yeah yeah it's sort of like at the same time original but um familiar at the same point like you like i've been listening to you guys for years i've first time i've actually ever spoken but your consistency but also like the way you guys are interesting 
and continue to be interesting and change it up over time and uh, and stuff like that makes it easy for me to jump on and feel like like ready to trust you already <laughs> kind of thing. And it's a very different process to like uh, someone you've never heard of or that disappears after five minutes or anything like that. Just yeah, showing up, like showing up nice and being. Things, mate. Yeah, we'll, nice we'll slip things. you the Hawaii Five O, mate. What, yeah. what BSB number again? <laughs> yeah. What about people like ripping ideas? What about when, like, in this space, I feel like uh, there's you're always yeah. it's hard to be like completely original. You're always taking inspiration. Like you always talk about like Frankensteining things, but in this space, it is like ecom so competitive. Everyone's trying to take attention from other people. Is there an element where you've seen that happen? Where like oh, I've seen them do it. Let's just rip them and do it like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, like I remember, we it's probably for the first three years. Like after about two or three years. We always hovered at this like 4.94 out of five average rating. So our website like said, and we're like, oh, this is awesome. We're so stoked with this. It's not, you know, like, and we'll be like really specific. So our website bar for ages said like 4.94 out of five. And then our close, even now, if you jump in our, um, there's a, there's a brand, I think it's like a poor man scratch, basically just a complete rip off of scratch, but their website front page is like 4.94 out of five. <laughs> so we're like, our industry is definitely not immune to it. Um, every, I think like every, every time someone does something that seems to be successful, someone's going to copy it. And it's like, people got to earn a buck and not everyone's creative. And there is a business model. There's a great business that's built on people being the second or third or fourth best thing um, out there. Um I hope that I hope that the foods like if they copy our food, that's great. But if they have crappy food and just like copy brand level, I think that's kind of frustrating because ultimately, like, there's enough crappy dog food out there that the like dogs don't need another unhealthy dog food. So, I, I yeah, I, I don't mind people copying stuff, but as long as they take the product seriously, um, because there's yeah, I mean, brand is just the way to make money. But hopefully, you got to, especially with something like dog food. Like at the end of the day, you're trying to make a dog's health better with what you do so that part like you hope that people take seriously and just any marketing stuff i mean that's just a good challenge like it keeps us interesting for us if people are copying us and of course we're like we're always influenced by what other people are doing too it's not like we're the only creative people in our industry or anything like that so i think like good markets should fuel each other like it should be interesting and you should respect like hopefully you respect your, your competitors and stuff like that and you get motivation to continually being better off them as well that's what I was going to say. And it's interesting. Like, uh, was it the Steve Jobs thing or the Microsoft? I think it was the Simon Sinek thing I was watching over the holidays. And he was like, Microsoft was so obsessed with Apple that, like, to try, yeah, they got a better product, but a- Apple didn't care. You know what I mean? They were just focused on themselves. And I think when you're really that, that long game sort of th- stuff, if you're concentrating on your enemy or your, your competitors and enemies and all that, and your, your, that mindset, it's not healthy anyway. You know what I mean? And I think early doors, it's like, I see it like music, yeah like you're influenced by bands and the young up and coming band might sound exactly like the band that they love, but then they change over time because they realized, you know, you got to form your own thing, but it's like the first time you discover something you want to, you know, emulate it off a bit. Yeah. You want to do it, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's so many, like so many people doing good stuff in the world. It's like you, it's inspiring to get influenced by something. And particularly if it's, sometimes it's in your industry and then sometimes it might be completely like left field. Like most of the people where, inspired by aren't dog food brands because they're not the most inspiring it's not the most inspiring sexy industry in the world what brands do you like what do you what what, what are the ones that you like you're really into whether they portray it well or whether it's like respect the way they do it yeah you know, respect yeah. that brand yeah um uh, i mentioned minor figures i think just like yeah, they're, they're creatives just super interesting um i think 
I actually like Glossier, the the women's kind of skincare company out of America. They they got like a cult kind of brand, and they're kind of they're going through a tough moment at the minute, but they've been around for ages and done a really good job. And particularly like they made a good brand that's accessible to everyone that hasn't gone like super expensive. I mean, it's, it's sort of like easy easy enough to make a great brand if you're charging five times more than everything else because, I mean, you've got enough money to run cool ads and do everything. What I think they've done well is just show that you can, there's great brands and great products to be made at affordable prices for people, and I like that accessibility of it. Um, there's a young UK fashion brand coming out called Picanti, I think it is, um, which I've been liking. It's like a mesh of outdoors and city, um, and I like the mash of like cultures together. Um, probably again something that like Deus did well here in Australia with motorbikes and surfing and stuff like that. But I think um, Picandy have done it sort of for like a real good urban environment there. Um, it's probably the main ones right now. Do you like? What about you? What what brands have you guys seen lately? Oh, to be honest, like oh, it's a tough one. I, I just like I like hearing the um. I like seeing like you say different ways of doing things. So I think in the podcast game, there's all these different ways you can monetize a podcast. So seeing interesting ways and how people do it. Like obvious examples like the ringer, you know what I mean? Yeah, that comes yeah. to mind where they build out a network and stuff. That's cool. But there's other ones that like we had our um, podcast, this podcast um, hooked to a service industry uh, to, a, yeah, in that space. So, and we've changed over time and now with the dream big social club, it's going to be different. So I think it's like monetizing in different creative ways. I think we, we had a pod, uh, we had the girls, the founders of butter insurance on the pod the end of last year. Oh, yeah. And I think that for us, like, we said it when it came on, like people doing like positioning actual brands in categories you're not used to seeing brands that aren't like stiff and boring. They're the type of things I'm into at the moment because I feel like insurance. Yeah, so well, you don't need that. to have, I think the, what, how you guys are structured is you got 20,000 people paying. Like that's fucking amazing. You know, that's incredible. Like what you should be so stoked on what you're doing. And the days have gone of like, I don't think the big players like that are going to exist in these big markets. There's going to be a lot of these people that build these communities that are really thoughtful business of, I'm hoping that maybe that's me taking the optimist look if that's the way, but there's always going to be these big players, but people trying to change an industry or change something that needs a bit of a shake up. I think I'm into that because I feel like there's lots of room for people to wriggle this year. Like COVID shook the, like, I feel like my opinion on this is pre COVID Everyone knew digital and all this stuff was coming, even even people who had been involved in it, whatever. And then COVID fucked everything up and now the recession's fucked everything even more. And all those people that might have been lagging to make decisions on doing things about the next wave or the new ways of doing things, it's not a decision anymore. That's come it's negligent not to do stuff like this. You know what I mean? That's how I see it. Because that's that's old that's the old business model. That's yeah, the old yeah. model that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, sure. Actually, I saw, I saw the um heaps normal jumper behind you there, and uh, like I've seen some of the um I've seen some of the content you guys have been putting out on Instagram. They're an awesome brand. Like I love love what they're doing. I think um them Zeroco as well. Which I think aren't too aren't too far from them. I think like those those brands are doing awesome as well. Like reimagining big old tired, boring things. Like I mean, yeah, booze is like an interesting category, but there's not like with how much beer Australians drink. There's not that often that you actually something comes around let alone something that makes not drinking like no alcohol cool like that's such a huge achievement they've got for themselves uh, it's a good segue for us we may as well push straight into the heaps normal question but question we ask all our guests uh heaps normal sponsor the show is what's your version of heaps normal what's the thing that you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life 
Uh, I get energy back by putting energy out running. I um, yeah, running's the running's the thing for me. I, if I don't, if I go a week without it, like a good good hard run, then I'm yeah, I'm no fun to be around. You a bit of a fitness freak. You, you mentioned you were counting the calories and stuff before. Did that set uh, you down the path, the David Goggins style setup? <laughs> yeah, not quite go that hard. Um, but no, it's more of a mental health thing now. I've, I've had little periods in my life where I've like taken it hard, but mainly when I just was really into sport and really competitive. But these days it's more of a mental health kind of thing. It's uh, just like I run at a pace I enjoy now uh, and I Probably, yeah, I don't push myself too hard, but I, I really just get mentally a lot out of it. How many Ks we talking though? When you say, a lot of people say this and then you, they say the number and it's like, fuck, you, mm. you're out running. Yeah. Uh, I'll do it like an 8K, 6, 8K kind of daily. Yeah, you're, so you're out running. You're out running. You got the fractal hat on. Enough, to get, fucking... enough to get a sweat. Yeah, yeah, bro. I love that. Bro. What sports you play? You said competitive. What were you, what was your... What got you competitive? Uh, I used to play a lot going. of cricket, and then and then I gave that up. It wasn't. I was getting worse somehow. I don't know how you get worse in your early twenties with a sport, but I was getting worse. So I gave that up, and then I started playing a lot of soccer. And then I went to. Then I had a midlife crisis. Went to AFL. Back to AFL. <laughs> so I, I kind of flirt around with all the sports, and these days are just futsal. Futsal underrated. That's what social I, sport. I'm telling you, futsal yeah, is so but... fucking hard. I didn't realize how much you had to run in soccer. I was like, because footy background cricket. I was like, yeah, cool. You run up and down the pit, like sick. The the like the fitness, you know, and the, and just the strength of some of yeah, these. Yeah, just sprints stuff. and sprints we, and turning. We play yeah. teams who are good, you know. They play on the weekends in Division One and stuff. And I'm oh. like, bro, I can't even fucking dribble, you know. Like these <laughs> these people are just insane athletes. The only know? dribbling Locke does is out his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever. Hey, what about what about stuff that you're seeing other brands doing that you think is about to go away? Like you've been in this space. Let's talk like marketing trends, things that you see other brands doing that you think aren't going to work in 2023. Um, I hope there's no NFT stuff coming out. And apologies for anyone who's working in an NFT thing, or if that's <laughs> if that's your thing. I mean, um, I feel like an old man who's just like wait, like shaking his fist at the clouds. But um, the whole like NFT thing for just to join a club that is no different from a usual club, I'm not so sure about. Um. What's the deal? Oh, like no, mock-up, I don't know. Mock-up we were saying this awards. before. It was actually Web3 was actually on our list to have a chat about because well, I just wanted to get your take on stuff because we had Rory from Checkmate on and he was just like fuck Web3 <laughs> and fucking <laughs> and stuff. And it's like interesting because some people we've had on the pod they froth it, you know. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like it died a little bit yeah. late last year. Like Clubhouse. You reckon? Yeah, you reckon don't, it's just gone I don't bit. think it's disappeared. I just think for the time being, well... Until it gets better? No, nah, more like... Into, uh, right now, everyone's focusing on things they can see as real. You know, no one's everyone's got no money because their mortgage has gone up and whatever. I can't see my JPEG NFT that sits in the computer that actually doesn't provide any real value to my life. <laughs> so it's not worth fuck all, you know? <laughs> yeah. The paper that's sold out is worth something to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, I think we're all still waiting for like the first company to release something that people nft wise that like people find useful ongoing like taking the value out of it like most of the stuff that's kind of gone off is because people are like oh this will be worth something one day and i want to sell it if you take that out of it like what are people actually enjoying on a daily basis or like would want to stick around and use for like six months or a year or whatever and i think there's like people actually start using it to that you know degree uh, making it actually useful beyond the value, like hopefully make money in the future. And then I think people go up, people see what it can be and like actually give it another chance. But it's kind of in that 
uh, exciting tech that people people did something with six months later is just like sitting in a hard drive somewhere, you know, or a wallet or whatever you want to call it, doing nothing. And it's like, it gives it all a bad look. What about that chat GPI or GP? I've got it. I forget what the fucking terminology thing is, but the AI chat stuff for copy, yeah? I feel like you need to get better at like giving instructions and sending instructions. This thing is a bit like soulless, but I see a lot of people posting about it. Like it's going to change the way we work. I think with like boring sort of copy that you probably need to do like tasks and stuff, but like creative copy, it's an art, you know, and I have an AI sort of chat. I, I tried to, to suss it out and I just didn't really vibe it that much, but have you had a suss of that and seen what that's about? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Cause like in, it, it's, scarily good for some things right like it's mm. but is it is it good at writing an ad that or an instagram post that just makes you like feel something probably not but it, is it good at like for us for instance we can probably whip up enough like blogs or landing pages or just like stuff to get traffic but not stuff to actually connect to a person and you know say why you're worth spending an extra 30 seconds or five minutes of their time on um so yeah, it also like func- it's almost like at the moment it looks like it'll functionally do a bunch of stuff like you so easily and quickly. So instead of you know paying a copywriter or you know having someone spend a day writing an article on um, how to find the best dog food, you can tell the tell somebody to do it and spit it out two minutes later, and it'll actually be at an acceptable level, but probably not enough of a level like to get traffic and to get SEO. Like it feels like it's crazily good for the game of getting traffic and the web machine almost. Let's talk about the, SEO and getting traffic one? then. Yeah, like getting traffic and that's what people, you know, you can start this brand, you can do all the paid ads, but the SEO, the traffic, like building the blogs on your website, why do people do that, you know? Yeah, I I mean, we, we've put a lot of effort and time into it in the years and I reckon we're one of the best rated kind of um, dog food brands in Australia for SEO. But we get such small amount of traffic from SEO because just because of how many ads run these days. Like if you're... You search best dog food, um, like where we're in the top five, maybe in the top one or two, and we're like at the bottom of a desktop, like three scrolls down on a mobile because it's just add, add, map, add, and then organic results. So Do you now, click them? Do you click your competitors' ads just so they have to pay? Oh, every, every now and then. Because <laughs> I feel like sometimes I see a sponsored thing and I'm like, fuck them, I'm clicking it. Yeah. Because I know I'm going to And then just don't even look at yeah, it. Yeah, don't even look at it. I'll, I'll close that tab just so <laughs> you annoyed me, so I'm making you pay. <laughs> yeah, I know somewhere there's like a digital marketing person who's like, oh, this person's like costing me the click and the bounce rate's crap and my stats look good, look bad. It just comes from some dickhead like me going, fuck you today, yeah. you know? I've had a bad day. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Well, online reputations and stuff, like that's the thing, isn't it? Like that's the interesting thing with brands now. Yeah, everyone can have a say on what back in the day you just release it out in the fucking wherever the supermarket, say if it was a product like that, and then that's kind of it. Now you've got the fucking website, you've got the socials, and anyone can just say this is shit, and all of a sudden, if they have a bit of influence, you know, it can turn it can turn so quickly, can't it? Yeah, hundred percent. You just see, like, every now and then, uh, something blows up, like a viral response, like an angry business owner, like, butt fights back at a at a bad comment online, and you realize how much it like can make or break a business. Um, and people, yeah, people have like, so, like, we get we every now and then, I'll just search our own brand and then see like the Google reviews, and it's like you've got no idea who who these people are, but like the fact that they've spoken to someone in customer service and had such a good experience like turned into this amazing review that other people are reading and then 
they're signing up and have extra trust. It's like even half of our best reviews are like people who cancel but have such good customer experience that they're like leave a positive review on the web afterwards. And then everyone else was like, oh, this is legit. They didn't actually like the product, but they said the company was amazing. Oh, crap. Oh, you know, like it, those real authentic ones like carry so much weight. But yeah, you're always living, especially like how easy it is to um, leave a review these days. You're always kind of living in fear of someone like tearing shreds through you or start, you start stuffing something up. But I suppose it's a good motivation to just be as best as you can. 100%. And if you start like replying to people, then all of a sudden people just know to complain and then they can get something out of you, you know, because you're like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry you had that experience. Have everything for free. You know, then everyone goes, oh, all, all I have to do is give them a three-star review, huh? <laughs> at, like doing what you do, I feel like you must see how much people love their dogs. Like we had yeah. we had a Slack channel that we were like, mm. had a bunch of people in there. One of, the cha- one of the channels was pets. And it was like the most engaged channel. Everyone wanted to share a picture of their pet. And it's like, it's very I'm, now. I have a daughter. I, I got I've got the dog on the wall, but people fucking love their pets. Like more, we do. Yeah, uh, Winston's my son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> legit though. Legit though. And do you see that though? Like, do yeah. you see like it's like there's like crazy dog people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Instagram's basically like thriving still because because of like dogs. Like we like we've got I don't know twenty thousand followers on Instagram, and probably most of them are dog accounts. Like people taking time to set up accounts with their dogs. We get emails every day just unsolicited with people, you know, like either writing on behalf of their dog in the dog's voice or sending us photos and tagging us and everything. Like our Instagram tag, like we must have the most enjoyable Instagram account to sort of just like go through your daily mentions and stuff on. It's, um, yeah, it's awesome. And then we, every now and then we do ridiculous things for, for people who like get a kick out of this stuff. Like we, we started for actually for our first few years we ran um before covid we ran valentine's day single dog owner events and like stuff like that and so we saw stuff even this year actually once once kind of the world uh, melbourne opened up a little bit we um we actually launched our own dog park in fitzroy gardens edinburgh gardens in fitzroy so we did this three-week dog park called scratch patch just like an over-the-top dog park um and it had the pre-book and everything and um and just people came down just like ready with the camera um met and we also did like single dog owners nights there and like sausage fest night with all dashwins and um all sorts of like little events within it but it was like purely for people like my dog is like my dog's part of my family i'd leave the house and drive an hour across town to do something for their dog and like that's that's just like life <laughs> these days like dogs are family it's crazy do you have compared like, to like what i'm used to like what i used to with growing up was oh. you know dogs in the kennel Hundred percent. That's what my poor old family dog Scooby. He got a little bit of love. We took him on like maybe two two walks a week. You know what I mean? But it was like <laughs> this. Now it's like it's crazy. I feel like I'm a crazy dog dad. You know, I had the Instagram account for Winston, but we were doing it more from a um his point of view. So like I'd try and get it from like his eyes and like let me in and stuff. And I thought it was funny, but mate, it was just <laughs> mate, you know what I mean? crazy dog people. They love it. My sister has a, an account that they have. She does for our dogs. She's a vet, but but again, she's been doing that for ages. But people just love it. It must be like a fun place. Yeah. Like every day must be fun. Going here and like doing that stuff and getting messages with people saying woof, woof. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) do you reply back and say, no stress, woof, woof back? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We speak pretty fluent dog these days. (laughs) Do you have favorite breeds or anything? Give us your top five. Or is that too hard? Well, I um, I always wanted a Bernese Mountain Dog, but. Uh, they weigh about as much as my partner, so um, she wouldn't let me, wouldn't let us get one of them. 
They're we like, tried, um, Mike. My wife and I oh, went yeah? same sort of dog. We went out to um, I say puppy farm. You know, like one of the <laughs> breed. We saw a saw a breeder, <laughs> saw a breeder <laughs> that had a, a big uh, litter of, of Bernese Mountain dogs. And my wife is allergic to dogs. And we went there, and she was cuddling them all. And we're in the car on the way home. And her face is red, and her eyes are like closed up. And she's like, "I can do it, no stress." <laughs> I'm like, well, "We're not getting a Bernese Mountain dog because you, your face is oh, fix that up." <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, I got them. I we just got a puppy like seven months ago, I think. So I better put him in the list. Um, he's a Nova Scotian duck tolling retriever, which is a mouthful, but um, no longest dog name going around. But uh, he's a little Canadian dog, sort of like a small, small golden retriever, small border collie, something in something in between that. He's great. Like that. Just um, like Frankenstein and all your favorite breeds. That's the <laughs> yeah. Does it bring yeah. dogs to work? You said that it was a, yeah, a beagle across the across yeah, the Yeah, when I don't have podcast interviews, that's it's bring dogs to work. But my my dog is obsessed with my business partner's dog, uh, but he will give my dog absolutely nothing. So it's a bit of like it, coming into the office for him is just like you know the day of trauma. I love that. And the business partner is that Dougie? Yeah, that's Dougie. Yeah. How did you guys meet? A uh, bit of luck. I was basically working out like how to make dog food <laughs> asking asking around like hey does anyone know and um and someone i was someone was helping me out like running some surveys and just seeing if people actually had, like wanting to switch food or thought that their dog food was crap we're doing doing a bit of surveying and then their partner was like oh actually like i did an mba with this guy he ended up in the pet food industry you should chat with him and then um i did and luckily he was about to quit and uh was yeah like one beer later he'd quit his job and um joined decided to join it with me and start it so he's a few meters from me now probably regretting it but um worked out well for me <laughs> man that's oh, crazy hey eh? we're very very early in 2023 what can we expect to see next time we have you on the pod what's what's going on in the world of scratch what is going on in the world of scratch um we are gonna have i uh, yeah I can't I can't say too much, but your dog's bowl will be very happy for it. Some it'll be definitely in the product side. Something your dog will go nuts for. Oh, I love that. So what? So you're it's at not, the moment. It's not being done at the moment. You're testing yeah, we're stuff in the at the kind of like crazy scientist kind of formulation kind of stage. Really, I like that. I'm keen. I'll keep it. Icy poles, dog. Icy poles. Oh, you heard yeah. it here yeah. first. Well, after this, you can tell me what Dream Big Social Club is, and I'll tell you our secrets too. Oh, I like it. Well, Mike, thank you for being the first guest of 2023. Love this chat. So good to connect, and uh, can't wait to follow along. Woof woof. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time.